Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Crane. I'm chatting with Claire Dix, the director of the hilariously dark comedy Sunlight. Thank you so much for chatting with us. It's uh, it's it's a really, really beautiful film that you have made. Um, I was just wondering, I know um, Alva Kyogen and yourself have worked together before on Taking Me Swimming, and that did exceptionally well on the festival circuits that is that has really kind of um, lived on in, in the world um, when it comes to shorts and, and remains to be quite popular. Just tell me a little bit about your creative um, relationship with her. How did you guys meet? Was it was it for that short or? Well, I know I knew Alva. Um, we, we were friends anyway. Um I met her ooh, a long time ago now, probably over 15 years ago. Um, both our husbands are friends, actually. And we kind of met through met her through my husband a long time ago down in Tralee. Um, but yeah, we'd never worked together. And then I started working with Rashim Garrity, who produced actually both Take Me Swimming and Sunlight as well. So we made a documentary together and we the like working with Rashim was just amazing. And I was like, well, I have to hang on to this person because, you know, it's, you know, it takes a lot. It took me a long time to find, I suppose, a creative partner who, who I clicked with on every kind of level. It's like dating. That's why I'm very intrigued to how, you yeah. know, like how kind of collaborative relationships go because like that, like, I mean, it might suit one project, but it might not necessarily yeah, exactly. suit like indefinitely. Yeah. So exactly. And I've worked with some amazing producers um in the past and, you know, just for various reasons, maybe one person wanted to go one way and the other person, wanted, you know, so it just, it didn't kind of last the, you know, but, but I kind of knew with Rasheen that, you know, I was like, well, do you want to make something again? Like, yeah, do you? So, and then Alva sent me a treatment I kind of at that stage, I sort of felt, I mean, I love short films and I love making them, but it kind of felt like I think maybe I need to maybe kind of move on a little bit here. Um, so I kind of wasn't looking to make another short, actually. But then she sent me and I don't think Alva had ever written a short film that was made before that, actually. I think she kind of went straight into features as far as I know. Um, but she had written a treatment. Um, her mother had recently passed away and I think she had a lot and she had a very she had a an uncle of hers who she was close to who um, unfortunately had Alzheimer's and she was kind of I suppose she was in a lot of conversations with her cousins around care and, and there was just there was a lot of things kind of going on in that idea of choosing the time of your own exit and around death. Um, so she uh, wrote a treatment for Take Me Swimming and she sent it to me and she said, would you be interested in making this? And I just read it and went, wow, yes, I would. And I actually had read some of her scripts, not to direct, but just because she had sent them to me just out of interest. And they were always such amazing reads. I, I'm always saying to her, I wish people could read your script. I wish you could just publish more scripts because they're absolutely beautiful reads, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah. So then I said to Rashin, would you be interested in this? And she said she read it and said yes. Um, so that's how that started. Um, and then after Take Me Swimming, I suppose we just kind of wanted to work together again. And that's kind of where, yeah, where Sunlight came out of. Oh, brilliant. Um, And tell me a little bit about Sunlight. That was one of the, um, was that a POV scheme? Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So tell me a little bit about your experience, because I think we had spoken a little bit before with um Antonia Campbell-Hughes. I think she she did one around the same time. Um, I'm just just like it is because it isn't even though the film looks like AF and you would not think of, it, but it's just not the budget that maybe like you would think that it should have. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, in, in many ways. So just tell me a little bit about like, but it, it's also a development scheme as much so as, as normally you apply for production funding. So just what's your experience going through that? Did you kind of workshop the script more in that? Then um, what's the story then when you kind of go into production? Do you have to have, because it's a, a mentorship scheme sort of as much as it is a, a production scheme, do you like do you kind of like work with them on the production end of things or do they kind of send you off when the script is happy? I'm just, I'm just very curious to like the practicalities of that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a fantastic scheme. Uh, was, uh, God, I don't even remember what year it was now. It seems like a long time ago <laughs> because of COVID came right in the middle of it and just everything just got as sure look at extended everything out. So, um, but yeah, so we applied for that um, with a treatment as well so it wasn't even so so that had to go through a whole scripting development stage so there were four there was a I think maybe seven um teams selected for development and there was kind of a couple of development days that we did and um, where, where um screener had set up and they were fantastic actually it was just really nice to meet everybody because you don't often get to meet other directors and writers so that was really nice just kind of got a couple of days and and actually just in case people don't know POV is a woman-led scheme so it's it's designed specifically to um support women filmmakers going doing the transition from shorts to yeah. features so it is like it's it's a cool safe space to meet other specifically women filmmakers yeah. and producers and be in the room so it's just absolutely like, the, yeah. the angle and I think it was because I've been asked before you know do you feel like you only got it because you were a woman you know um, you only got to make it and I was I remember talking to people around the time and there were a few people actually in the industry as well who I was talking to and were saying yeah you know is that fair and I was like well <laughs> It's been very unfair for a very long time. So. For all of time. For all of time. Exactly. Of time. Is okay. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, look, I get the point. Like, you don't want to, you know, the, this, you know, it's every single year. It's only women who are making, allowed to apply for these low budgets. Absolutely not. But, you know, I think it is okay to have one of them, you know, um, and, and try and address that imbalance. Because the other thing that it did for me, actually, it just felt kind of like, okay, this is an opportunity that you can't turn down, you know, because I, I think a huge problem with, well, one of the things I would struggle with is, is confidence in my abilities. And that probably is because I'm a woman as well. And because, you know, just it's not even a film industry thing. It's like a societal thing. It's the way we're brought up. It's the way, just different subliminal messages I think you get when you're growing up. That's no one's fault exactly. But so I think this scheme was kind of like, come on, you know, please apply, you know, so that was um, and even in the interview, I think I spoke a lot about being a parent and how I have took a long time out of working in film and TV because I wanted to bring up my kids. And I feel that's been a huge um, barrier as well, kind of getting back into the industry again after a long time, not making anything. So I think POV was brilliant in that respect as well, that I was able to kind of talk about all that stuff and be honest about all that stuff. And it just felt like a really um, kind of um, open door, you know. So so that scheme was there. Um, I, we applied, we got it, we got went on a development kind of couple of days with a lot of other teams. And then from that, they selected four projects. Um, and then there was a... a Again, though, there was a big development sort of stage around that, mainly with Alva, though, because I wasn't writing the film. So I suppose I was definitely, you know, I was aware of what was going on and Alva and I would talk a lot and, and um, I was involved in the development. But like she was very, I wasn't writing it. She was writing it. So it was very much Alva then for quite a long time developing the script. And we could all choose a mentor or we could all choose someone who 
that we would like Screen Ireland to approach on our behalf. So, um, and you could, uh, produce, producers, directors, and um, writers obviously were encouraged to do it. All the HODs though, once we got into production, you know, were entitled to a mentor. So, you know, some of them did, some of them didn't. I think some of them, maybe we had more, we had some like, um, our production designer was amazing and she went for, she took a mentorship because she was kind of quite new into the industry. Maybe some of the people who had been around the block a few times probably did, didn't. But so, yeah, so it was very, very, very supportive the whole way through. That's very nice, actually, because, you know, like a lot of the arguments are, you know, you, you have a first time feature director, so we're going to pair you with a really established GOP um, and that you have to go with that. And instead of actually going, actually, you let everybody figure it out, but have the supports together, because I think that's, to, yeah, yeah, because yeah. as well, I think when someone's so established, you, it, you can there's also a dynamic where you're like, you kind of can get railroaded, I think, a little bit as well, where people are going, yeah, yeah, do this is better. And you're like, but I, I feel creatively it isn't. But because yeah. of your experience, I kind of feel like I have to now because if it goes wrong, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, very silly. So I don't. So I I do think those relationships are are lovely, and and to encourage and cultivate um people of the same level, but like to kind of take that step up together is is actually wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So like we, I mean, Narian van Malle shot it, and he'd be extreme, very experienced. So you know, yeah. I felt I've worked with him before, so I felt that I you know we were a good you know partnership anyway, and I think he really got the project and he really got the style that we wanted to go with. Your film is so gorgeous, but he did. Um, you are not my mother as well. Was that he did? Yes, he did. Yeah, Kate's film. Yeah, beautiful. So, um, yeah. So like he would have been. I mean, he was very experienced. So, so I felt in safe hands. But all you know, but there was other crew members who and yeah. HODs who who weren't. But I saw the work, trusted them, had great conversations, and I felt well. They have the mentor scheme there as well, so they were able to kind of tap into that if they wanted. So we had a mix. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, it allows people as well to to bring people up if you were and and as well if you like working with someone on shorts and maybe you couldn't justify it. So it's it's actually a lovely yes. um yeah. thing yeah. to offer. So tell me then about um you get to the script stage. You guys are ready. You have mentors if you feel like you want them. You've put together your shooting. Um, when did COVID hit then? Uh, it all. Yeah. So like we were supposed to shoot in August 2020. So that whole year was just weird anyway, obviously. But for us, it was kind of like we were ticking along as if, you know, we're, we're shooting in August. What's this virus thing? You know, like we didn't really say until very late that yeah we can't we couldn't admit it to ourselves I think for a very long time that it wasn't we just weren't going to be able to film for a few now like I know Kate did shoot in the October of that year and Antonia shot January 2021 and that was a major lockdown when she was shooting like you know I'd say they her hers was a very solitary film though it was there wasn't there wasn't like yeah lots of beautiful joyous shots of, of crowds and people on the streets and things yeah you, know, you like... see I think they could probably contain yeah because they were in Donegal you know they were it was countryside you know so they were able to manage it and I think fair play to them because I, I I know it wasn't easy I think I mean, that's an amazing I love that film that's an amazing film I mean, she did a fantastic job so you know hats off because you know just even and not even I suppose because you're like what's the, what are your sets going to look like but it's also just the kind of for the crew and managing all the testing and all the you know just the scariness of it so and just you know are we shoot I, I know they had a, a trouble with like are we shooting tomorrow are we you know so there was all that so we see but but anyway so we were kind of being encouraged to go out and shoot in August but we kind of felt for the type of film we had we wanted to make Dublin was a big feature 
part of the texture of the film, real people on the streets. We wanted to rope in as extras. We wanted it to have that kind of feel. We just wouldn't have got that, you know. Like, I don't even think we would have got access to any of the flats. I don't think the council would have let us in, you know. So, and that was another massive part we had to have, you know, all that access. So unfortunately, yeah, we weren't, and we would have loved to have been out and shot because we would have got our pick of crew <laughs> because no one was working. <laughs> Whereas instead we had to like, we were battling to get anyone then when we actually did because everyone else was filming at the same time. So, because we shot like exactly a year later. So yeah, COVID was a, a pain, um, but yeah, so it pushes by a whole year. So tell me, like there was a bunch of false starts there. How did that affect the the planning? Was like, was it that you guys left it so that you knew a hundred percent it was going to go, or did you have like a couple of, you know, maybe we'll aim for this? Because yeah, it's... no, we had a few false starts. Yeah, to do with um, availability of cast as well. And again, you see, because like we were, we pushed from like we'd cancelled it and then or postponed it and then things were opening up so people were getting offered jobs that they hadn't worked for a whole year so we couldn't say oh no you can't take that really well paid job because you said you do our tiny pay you know like so you couldn't deny people so we we pushed twice then because we were I think we were supposed to go like April and then maybe we pushed to June and then it ended up being yeah August so we, we had two other false starts yeah God, and it is like it is tough locking people down because when the big when the big money comes, like yeah, yeah you can't expect you can't say, say yeah. And we, so we were losing people left, right, and center to to big pay jobs. Which and I was saying, yeah, no, no hard feelings, go for it because you haven't worked for a year and a half or a year, so you can't say no. But I must say, like we were so lucky that like Drew Maitland, my first lady, uh, who was just like I could, I just can't imagine making a film without him because he was on um, taking swimming as well, and he's absolutely fantastic um so I read and he stayed with us you know and I'll be eternally grateful to Drew and and Narian because they must be offered jobs as well like left right and center but they did they stuck they stuck with us with every single date push they stayed so yeah so that is that is very nice yeah yeah fees are in very high demand oh everyone is yeah Absolutely. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you um go about kind of curating it, the visuals of it. Is it something that when you read the script, you clearly picture it? Is it something that you find with um your DOP and production designer and sit down and have discussions? Like what's your process? Yeah. So th- with this, it can be different with every project, but with this one, it more it really came from Leon. It's like who you know who is this guy what's the energy that he's bringing to it and he really suggested kind of the way to go um and I would have I spoke to Nari and we watched a lot of different you know reference films we were passing kind of mood boards back and forth um and we had a long time to do that because we had the whole year we kind of knew very early on from the, one of the first conversations I had with him then we started passing references back and forth and we were very clear I think once he read the script as well about that that kind of look was what we were going for and it was all driven by who Leon was this kind of erratic kind of um ping pong you know flying by the seat of your pants kind of DIY kind of buzz that Leon has um so we wanted to bring that into the look and the style and the filming and the sound so when it came even to talking to the composers Leon was and, and the music that Seamus Fogarty and Barry actually wrote together for the end track was a massive influence for the whole soundtrack so Matt and Steve Steve Shannon and Matt you Nolan who did the soundtrack took all the work that the lads had created in Barry's shed during lockdown um, which was one advantage of the whole year because Barry and Seamus got to write tons of music as Leon and 
the composers took all those and kind of used that as their references. And they even took like stems from tracks and, and laid them in and worked with them for the soundtrack. So it's almost kind of Leon is just all over the film sort of thing. It's fun. There's such a, I actually had a note to ask you about that because I was like, it's such a, there's such a kind of unusual, yeah. funny, um, like playfulness that yeah. like used throughout the sound as well, which is, which is gorgeous because again, like the themes underneath it are quite heavy, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of propped up by the lightness of the characters, the humor um, and then all those like lovely kind of visuals. And again, that that brilliant sound mix, like because you're watching the beginning and you're like, what is this? Yeah, what is it? Is this what good? Is, is this, this shit? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Which is all. And it was a bit of a gamble because it was like is Leon talented or is he terrible and he's just going for it and he's just doesn't care and that's kind of a lot of the style of the whole film I think is a bit like that <laughs> so it was and you know it has been divisive like we've got like some people who love it and some people who really don't get it you know um, and we kind of knew that was the way we were going you know, it was a bit of a there was a lot of risky things with this film because first of all the theme like it's an like it's a, look, it's a film about friendship, but euthanasia is obviously a massive theme in it. So we kind of knew from the word go, we were going to annoy some people and, and irk some people and get maybe not the best reviews from some people, you know, because that just is a very, and maybe even the way we were handling it, um, I kind of knew, okay, this is, we're not going for a weighty film. We're going for a very kind of irreverent kind of humor sort of take on it, which is going to piss some people off. And it has. Um, and even in the style of it, the style of the film um, as well, you know, we kind of knew that's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But it kind of had to be like that. I think if it had been a very kind of neatly composed, kind of locked off, it just wouldn't have worked with who Leon was. Well, for me, I would have felt like, ah, oh, we're missing this kind of dynamic energy that Leon naturally has or something, you know. So a lot of the film, in a way, was a bit of a play, a bit of a experiment. And I think some things worked, some things didn't. I've learned a lot from it, actually. Um, about what to do next, what not to do next, but I'm 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 glad we went with that. It was an, it was an interesting interesting process and a really really um fun way to make it actually. And if you think of the like how it was received, which I mean I think is generally important. Like you're you're never gonna annoy people, and I do think if you if if people kind of feel annoyed enough to like really talk about it, yeah, you've struck a nerve, and I think yeah. that's that's yeah. as powerful as. Like, I mean, the worst thing would be if it kind of faded into nothingness. But the fact yeah. that you elicited an emotional response yeah. means that there was something deep in that person yeah. that that they're responding to the content of your work, which is really, um, I think, kind of a testament. Yes. And we did like we have got mixed reviews, you know, um, but like some people absolutely love it, you know, and. Yeah. So, but again, like just retiring, repeating myself. But yeah, I think we we sort of we knew that was probably going to happen um, but you know we didn't want to shy away from that as, at the same time in a previously catholic country <laughs> like yeah 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 but even it's funny because it's not even because i think we as a country have moved on a huge amount you know so i think euthanasia a lot of people you know we're talking about it now discussing it um it's probably yeah another very very divisive sorry it is of course a very very divisive topic but i think it's more even the way it's handled in this film is what kind of annoyed some people um but I think yeah we were we're we stand by it you know yeah and it like it's really beautiful but I I think it's the humor that helps process the pain and I love to watch those weighty subjects 
tackled. Like, I mean, you do go to the emotional heart of who these very funny characters are and funny people pass on as well. And I, it's it's that that kind of loss and acceptance is, is sort of at the core of what it is. But I, I think it just makes it a really watchable film that you're yeah. enjoying it the whole way through. You're on board. So you're not, you, you get the message, you get the emotional thought behind it, but you're not like, like oh god at the end of it. <laughs> you know oh. and I don't like that was one thing we were like oh if we're making a film with euthanasia as a massive team like I don't want to make a big heavy weighty um I just don't think yeah like and also I don't think it's a very Irish way to handle it maybe I think that you know that kind of irreverency and that, that kind of dark sense of humor I think is more kind of it feels more natural I think for the these characters anyway that that's how they would deal with this you know making a joke of it you know um, but they love each other and you see that and it's not like they're flippant about um, death. Um, but I think, you know, that is how they can handle the emotion by opening themselves up, but then making a joke at the same time. I, I That to me feels real, you know. And how was it um, shooting in the flats as well? Loading oh, all the equipment up <laughs> Oh God, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I was like, Happy I could see. <laughs> yeah. Um, hats off to the camera department <laughs> for that. Um, and the lighting guys. Um, yeah, but the, it was brilliant shooting there. We had such support from um like the block we were in was kind of there were some people still living there and there was a lot of vacant, like they're all Dauphin's barn is obviously being, you know, a lot of those spots being torn down and, and rebuilt. Um, so we it was kind of in a transition period when we were there, but luckily the building and the demolition had there was a window. Um, so we got in. Um, but one of the blocks is totally like that where Clegg's supposedly deals from is kind of totally boarded up and abandoned. And then Leon's block was kind of perpendicular to that. And there's some people there, but the people who were living there were just so amazing. And you know, they were like, Oh, can we be in it? And we so there was like bits where we have the brand the bonfire, a lot of the kids, you know, were you know living there. So they came along to that. And um, I think they're really used to film crews because they were all like not a bother, like you didn't have to say don't look in the camera, they were all like pros, you know. So um, but they were very welcoming and um just yeah, amazing to 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 work with. Yeah. Great. And just you were saying about getting rights from Dublin City Council. Is that um a bit of a slog to to kind of get agreement? Do you have to like show scripts? Is it or is it just like an application process that you say yes. dates and if so it's available? There's a, there's a film officer there. God, what is her name? She's she's an amazing person. I can't remember her name. Roshin would have been dealing with her, but she is fantastic. And like they would help you find location. No, they've been brilliant. Like they now there is obviously you know a process because you you know you have to yeah you know let them know what you're doing and and uh, you know what you're, but they've been really really helpful and um you know they were saying like look we'll help you as much as we can now, obviously you have to do the legwork yourself as well and go out and find them but they, they it was absolutely I think once the locals were on board as well obviously people who are living there have to agree to it but um it, yeah so you know there's a bit of paperwork it's a bit of a process but um yeah we found it very um accommodating yeah brilliant that's that's nice to know that the support yeah. are there if, if oh no 100 yeah. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. you said you had learned a lot what would be some of the things that maybe you pass on that might help other like what would be if you were telling people you're like never do this um yeah and it's funny isn't it so particular to every project as well because at the end of every project I'm like oh god I've never done that again or I must remember this again is it like childbirth though do you, do you sort of forget about it then after a while and you're like oh no no I'll definitely cast only children and animals from now on it's, 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 the story is too strong it'll be fine this time 
Like, well, I actually no problem working with children and animals. And I know you're not supposed to be like, I have only had positive. Like, I know it slows everything down. And actually, it's probably more of a pain on the production team than it is on me, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, horses are difficult to work with. <laughs> I, you know, I would rather not work with horses again, actually. Uh, but they do look amazing. So then you're in the end going, wow, yeah, definitely want to work with horses again. So um and it's funny like even like i love working on with boats and water like so um you know because we had like fire on water and all that like you know i think if you've got the right crew and you do a lot of prep all that kind of stuff is manageable you know enough prep give yourself enough time and get the right people all that stuff is manageable i wouldn't shy away from doing that but i do think it always comes back to this and some people don't have this problem because this is very probably personal but what I have learned is is to and I keep saying this myself is to trust your gut and you know I know that's such a cliche and there's probably younger filmmakers probably don't have this problem but I think it's been a massive thing for me in my career is just be confident in yourself and trust your gut because then if you do make a mistake at least it's your mistake and it's not you going god I knew I shouldn't have done that or I knew I knew I had a feeling I had a feeling but I just went along with what everyone else was saying because that's the worst feeling, you know, yeah. is like knowing that you knew that thing that everyone said was going to be OK, wasn't OK. But you went along with it because you just trusted everyone else instead of yourself. So I do think like, you you, you know, the, and I suppose as a director, you have to you have to do that because everyone's relying on you to do that. And it's not the way you can kind of just bulldoze through everyone else's ideas. So there's a kind of a balancing act, I think, between going, OK, I this is the way I want to do it. Right. And being polite about, you know, and respectful. I'll listen to you. And but I don't want to be convinced by you if I still have this feeling in my gut that this isn't actually the right way to go. So I think that's something I've been and learning the kind of filmmaker that you are, you know, what are the stories that you want to tell? What do you, you know, what do you want to say? I think that's something maybe to that that I am kind of learning as well is really really important that you can stand over the work and that you're happy because even if it isn't well received that you say well I'm I still can stand over it I'm still happy that I made it you know I think that's another important thing and also that you that you carry to carry relationships on to the next work I think is important to respect the people you're working with and you know learn who who do you click with you know okay maybe it didn't work out with this person maybe it's just a bit of a clash but you know to try and find those creative partnerships because I think they will sustain you you know through through it you know that's some that's some really lovely advice um because it was a long process as well because of COVID and because everything was drawn out so well and do you feel like anything changed as it was evolving you know from the you know from once you kind of have your finished script you know, because I kind of even think like the world sort of changed, you know, in, in many ways, like the, yeah. the the industry sort of changed a little bit. I'm just wondering, like, did, did that feedback into the project? Do you feel like it's a slightly different one coming out than went in? I think they're always different coming out than when they go in. I think they're they're never the film that you think you're making. Um, yeah, it's funny, though, it did sort of more or less stay the, the, the same, Um, whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. Um, I think the music became a huge part of it. I didn't think that was going, I didn't think the music was going to be such a, I didn't think there was going to be so much music in it, to be honest, even though I know me, Leon's a musician, but I didn't think the soundtrack was going to be so much a feature until I think Barry and Seamus had that year in Barry's shed, <laughs> working on Leon's music. And just the stuff that was coming out was amazing. So I was like, God, this has to feature more, you know, it's just so much a part of who Leon is. So that was definitely one thing 
that changed. Um, like there was always tweaks to the story, but I don't think anything major story-wise uh, changed. Well, yeah, there was a scene at the end that got cut out, but that probably would have happened anyway. Um, see, we were just so prepared. It was mad. Like we were so prepared to go in 2020 and then we had a whole other year to to think about things that um yeah no I, I, yeah it was probably just that yeah those small small little bits that we we tweaked along the way but nothing nothing massive no and in the edit did um any darlings have to hit the floor you said you were prepped did you kind of were you like very happy with the way visually it it was there was there anything you had to play with pacing wise or go back and and get um like inserts for um we did what did we do we had one small uh reshoot sorry i'm trying to think um yeah more or less it was we well we had to let go of an, one supporting character which was a real shame because um yeah so all her scenes had to go which was a pity it was just kind of tonally there was something not working actually wow. Yeah. That was hard. That was a hard decision to make um, because she kind of fed through the whole script in a way. So she it just yeah, it just was an issue with the tone and it, it had to go. And for that, that was that was difficult. So that was a difficult decision. But I think it was the right one. Timing timing wise, it was great. Like it was, yeah. you know, like you wouldn't have wanted any more or less. The the, the yeah. pace was perfect as, yeah. as it was. So I'm curious to if there was a whole extra person. Yeah, I know. It, I think it probably was dragging it down a bit, maybe kind of dragging everything out when it wasn't needed. Um, Like Alba's amazing for writing in all these kind of side characters that have their own little story and relationship to the main character. And they always thread through and everything. <laughs> Tony when the editor's saying oh, oh my god when Alva's writing it's like you're trying to unweave <laughs> you know like you can't just lob a scene out because it affects all these other things so that was a job you know for the editor to deal with all that I think um I think it's a lot pacier than I actually imagined it would be I think it became quite pacey in the edit I didn't think it was going to be as kind of uh, as it was even though I know Leon's you know his character asks for that but I kind of felt it was a slower film in my head funnily enough than what it actually turned out to be but I think that's where the editors uh, both Alec and Tony kind of brought that you know no we need to kind of you know get things moving here uh, and bring that sense of urgency you know I think at certain moments you know you kind of need to feel like okay you know um, let's get Leon you know especially after the show for Ivor that kind of ends you know that we kind of need to pick up the pace there and yeah so 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 they they brought that to it. Because yeah, that that I again, it was just perfect timing. You're you're kind of with them the whole way. There's like that life and energy, and then yeah, like for those emotional moments, it kind of slows yeah. down, and you get into yeah. the beat of the characters, yeah. and that that is a lovely watch as well. I mean, we were so lucky that the I mean, Fontaine that we have the Fontaine's track kind of sat bang in the middle, and um, we kind of really wanted originally. I remember we were saying, oh, let's have it a, like a real like a totally Dublin soundtrack that we have only you know Dublin music on it from Dublin based bands. Um, and that's the only one actually that is that, that, me, that we were able to get. But um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I, we were so honored to be able to include that. That was fantastic. So it was something that was in the mix for so long. And then um, you, you go into the edit. When is it like, like, are you still sort of involved? Oh, I'm being my server. Are you still involved in marketing? Are you still kind of like 
kind of like in that headspace or is there a point where you go oh that was a great project now I have to start looking for the next one that I work on or you know and start having those discussions or is it something that you put out of your head until basically it's it's kind of you've done all your press interviews with the likes of me um uh no well we started uh we optioned a short when did we start on Orange World we, we have another project that we're in development with now that we was a few years ago actually it was before even sunlight was made I read the story and I was looking for the option for the I think that's another thing I've kind of learned over the years is you kind of have to have a few things kind of going and I think I I like to work like that I like to have a few other things kind of bubbling away or that you um obviously then as it gets nearer to the shoot you have to be 100% in whatever you're in but I kind of like to have a few other things that I'm thinking about it just kind of helps me not obsess as well over one project I think it's kind of nice to be able to jump um around a little bit because they don't all work out either that's the other thing like so if you have all your eggs in one basket and then that doesn't work out it's like oh nothing else to fall back on so we um were talking about orange world before sunlight was shot and then we got the option for that last year and that's kind of where my head is because when i actually once the film is done i i don't i just want to forget about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I kind of just go okay can we just move on now um and I was talking to another filmmaker recently and he was almost giving me a bollocking he was like you have to you know come on you have to get your stuff together now this is in the cinemas you need to get your ass out there and you know promote it and I know I do but I just I'm not the best at it um I'm better letting other people talk about it I think but um so yeah so we have another one in production or not production Jesus in um very very early script stages but it's just kind of nice to have that you know as a possibility you know who knows it may or may not get made I have no idea but we'll keep uh keep chugging with it anyway hugging along god that's that's brilliant and and uh still in cinemas um yeah do you have any plans for a streaming release or VOD? Well, that would be the next thing. Yeah. So Wildcard, our distributors, they're fantastic. Uh, Jill and Patrick, lovely to work with, actually. Um, and that's the next stage. So I don't, But I don't know what, what the plan is um, yet. Uh, but that, that will be the next phase. Yeah. Great. Well, keep us keep us in the loop because we'll yeah, the more the more eyeballs on this, the better, because it's enjoyable. It's warm. It's funny. And yeah, there's some banging tunes. I, I love that. Barry Rockwell himself. <laughs> yeah. Better than in a shed. At the back of man shed. I yeah. love that. Like that makes it even better. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for chatting with us. Oh, thanks a million, Gemma. Thank you.